you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. (laughs) Nice choice of background. (laughs) Absolutely. Great minds think alike. It's really just to totally derail the list of what I had just said we should talk about. I just wrote a post on Facebook that was about whatever the secret weather scientists that are controlling the whole shooting match, they must live here in Cleveland area, Northeast Ohio, because while all the rest of the North American continent and maybe the world is having, name it, droughts and floods and typhoons and hurricanes and tornado alley and whatever else, we've had amazingly beautiful weather for most of the summer. Yeah, I remember times when we like sealed the house up for a month at a time with the AC, and instead, we we've had the AC on to sleep in our bedroom. Maybe I don't know half a dozen, ten times in the course of the summer. We've been out walking in the metro parks. We just and in the winter, it just wasn't that severe. I've had years where I piled so much snow up against our fence that I was worried that I'm going to be able to get my car between the fence and the house, and instead. For whatever reason, we've just got this eye of the hurricane, beautiful, temperate, but just enough rain to keep things growing. And I don't know, we're really doing well compared to how Canada's burning. And wow. (laughs) You say that now. And today is beautiful. I've walked out several times, walked the dog, and I'm just like, man, this is like my perfect day. It's just on the edge of getting to be autumn. I can tell it's darker in the morning. It gets darker quicker at night. But... They're saying it's going to hit 90s over the weekend. So we're going to get Indian summer or whatever early. Usually that's October where you get that last burst of warmth before you really winter clamps down. And I'm okay with having fall be like, how about a couple months instead of just one week where you go from shorts to jacket weather? How about just (laughs) this is Ohio. So very often you could wake up with snow in the morning and then you got to time it to get that 23 minutes of fall. And then it's a spring or something. And then boom, it's 90 and it's summer. I mean, Exactly. I'll tell you, again, always looking for the geek aspect. One of the wonderful things about, and we've talked about this a little bit before, weather forecasting is amazing nowadays. You really can watch in real time radar things about what's coming in. You can judge if the route you're going to take is going to be covered by the rain cloud or can you skirt it. And especially what I've loved is I'm becoming like the world champion with getting my lawn mowed just before the rain hits. I see that rain is supposed to hit at one or two in the afternoon and I don't plan it this way. I'm not like the king of procrastinators, but it's nice to know that I can start and I'm not going to get caught and just curse the sky and stuff like that. Any number of times I've got the thing done and then like immediately after the rain, it washes away some of the grass clippings. It revives the lawn. I've, if there's a thing about just-in-time inventory for how one does lawn maintenance, I've really half a dozen times this summer done it just in time or got out there and trimmed bushes or whatever else it might be. So I don't need to be perfectly predictable. It just has been really handy to be able to get like down to the couple hour range instead of day by day what it's going. My mower spent the first part of the summer down two different causes. I got it back and literally before I made one pass, I 
I got it caught and it ripped part of the wires out and it was a mess and it was down for a while again. But I love, I have talked about this before. I grew up with a Cub Cadet, little riding mower, you know. Okay. Because you had property, would, you had acres, and I only have a postage stamp. You know <laughs> it I mean? would take hours, like all Saturday, because uh-huh. we got so many trees and bushes and rocks and hills, and it's go around. And those things aren't the tightest turns. The, you you got to go and back up and move and you know, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Man, I, I'll say again, I love my zero turn. It, it cuts so much down in time and extra mowing and good for uh, you. That's you know, so, yeah. honestly for a big property. When you, we were just at, we went to a funeral service this morning. As I mentioned, that's why we had to delay a little bit. And their grounds are immaculate, but you can see the part of the reason they are is because they've got the new mowers that really do the zero turn thing, and they just seem to be precise in their handling. And they, I don't know, however they are doing applying the right stuff to their lawn and the herbicide, and so that it's just almost like putting green perfect stuff. And I know that when Nick and Kelly talk about what they do for their farm, they really get, they send in soil samples to the American Farm Bureau or whoever does that kind of analysis. And and they are not super computerized, but I know that a lot of the big farms, really they have it that it goes along and it's got like a, a monitor that's checking the ground and it, it spritz and it gets exactly the weed that it wants to kill. It's not wholesale, tear it all up. It's cool how they've made it so that you can really maximize the yield and manage all of the every process the seeding the weeding the reaping all that kind of stuff really seems to be another cool thing that they've been able to computerize or at least so much assist human beings they do a whole bunch of cool stuff with they're a big enough place but individual so that the developers of like new hybrids for corn for all the different kinds of vegetables they get haha seeded with those prototypes and and it's cool to be like, there's real practical work in genetics that's being done to say, this corn is sweeter than ever, hardier than ever. It grows in nice straight rows. It's not snaggletooth Indian corn. And every year, I just love the fact, not to be weird, hey, for all those who really don't believe, haha, in the whole thing of evolution, every day, in every way, genetics and our understanding of how that stuff works makes it that we increase our crop yields. We make it so that we can include iodine in golden rice and save a billion people doing it we put iodine in the salt we put fluoride in the water i'm going all over but just that fact that they really have the science of hybridization and and i know that there was let's say 20 25 years ago they started talking about oh no franken food and how they were doing genetic manipulation to get this stuff and in some cases there were one or two really highly publicized things where we really don't know what we're doing and we don't always know the laws of unintended consequences. So we had the neonicotinoids that were like an insecticide that was being used, but it was also, oh no, killing all the monarch butterflies or killing valuable species as or well. Or even DT clear back in the 70s. Oh, exactly. Go back to Rachel Carson. Her Silent Spring is an incredibly important book because it showed how we. this is really good. DT is helping us in this way, but all the eagle eggshells are too fragile and we're killing the eagles. You go back to Agent Orange, which they use as the big defoliant in the Vietnam War, where you find out that people get permanent effects from having breathed that in, that it didn't just clear a path for the war to continue, it damaged people permanently. So there's science that has to be done about not only developing it, but making sure that you test it in every environment and stuff like that. But having said that, 
You don't have a one bad case and then say, no, we're abandoning it entirely. Science is about continual research and experimentation and reflection. Getting back on path and readjusting. Yeah, get back on the path. And, and the people that to... say, you said that your theory was this and it's not, so science must be wrong. No, that's how theories work. That's what they're for. We think it's <laughs> going to do exactly. this. It didn't. It did this instead. Here's our new data. Here's our new theory. That's how it works. And uh, yes. w- w- along with that, th- what really what makes me want to hit people with baseball bats is when they <laughs> say stuff like, yeah, well, science or this technology is just ruining our country and it's ruining this and I hate this and it's and blah, 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 and blah, blah. It's so, okay, we'll get rid of it. And then, man, prices are too high in the supermarket. That's because we got rid of all the tech and science that took care of the low prices. So folks, you can't have both. You can't have this abundant food supply with minimal people farming it and low prices all at the same time without something. <laughs> There's a way back, like maybe at the start of social media, there was, there was a social media didn't we, used to exist. <laughs> no, it, there were, there was a time when we actually it went was, out and meet friends. It was called a campfire. <laughs> someone put out a book called free perfect in now. And it was pretty much, you can have two or three, you know what I mean? That it, you, that all the ways in which we were fine and that you can't, it, it is especially irritating to me when people are like, they give them a miracle, but they didn't like that miracle. They didn't like exactly that miracle. So they're willing to say, abandon it instead of, can we tweak the miracle? Can we first acknowledge that we just cured a disease that was incurable before, that we increased crop, increased crop yield not by 1%, but like by 50%, that the Malthusian nightmare of us having a bigger population than the carrying capacity of the planet, we'll never have enough food, that's been put off again and again by the fact that we've done such wonderful science with that things are, they yield more or they resist the drought or other conditions more. They resist bugs and stuff like that. So things that have built-in herbicide, and indeed we keep finding out that there might be some downsides to that. Roundup isn't miracle stuff. It really does have some effects, but the whole point is you keep, you don't abandon. You learn more and then you better. And over the course of time, so the fact, like you said, if science has been wrong once, you know what? It's probably going to be wrong a thousand more times, but it's going to be right 10,000 more times. And our life nowadays would not exist without all that we learn and continue to improve upon. Science is, it's not mistakes. It's not things. It's because we're still learning and things change and it's a very vibrant world out there. You want a mistake? Sticky notes are a mistake. (laughs) They're the (laughs) exact opposite of what the guy wanted. Yeah, I would say well, fortuitous accident or whatever. There's yes, nice there you go. That sounds like a bad band. That sounds like a band I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the farming and we talked the mowing. So it makes me laugh. We're talking tech, farming, mowing, because there are some really great video game simulators of both farming and mowing that you can play. I've played both. And they're really good simulators to try and get you into it. I've it's done interesting. I've done city building. You know, I've played SimCity and the various different variations, yeah. but I've never done managing a farm or managing an amusement park. Somehow, I don't know, those simulations don't appeal to me as much as the full fantasy thing of, 
um, going underground to kill creatures and collect treasure. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So there's different farming ones. So I just racing games, which is interesting because I want to talk about the Gran Turismo movie, but like racing games, you've got your cart racers, which are just loads of fun, simple, easy for anyone to play. Then you have the arcade racers, which have more physics in them, but they're really about, let's see how fast and crazy we can go. Then you got like the sim racers, which are down to the detail physics extreme like, this is the real dashboard this is exactly. The exactly and that's what you get with some of these sims also you've got these farming sims which is our cute little people and you plant something and boom it grows and you got these yeah. other ones that are you have to get the right tractor with the right size spreader to put down the seeds and you gotta get the right wow. seeds with the right like you said soil moisture you got to send the soil into the get analyzed they have that in some of these games that type of thing so you have exactly. the wide range for everybody yeah you know what we haven't i don't think talked about this before when you look at the progress in pcs so much of it has not been based on i need a faster spreadsheet so that i can do my investments better it's been based on I want my games to be more realistic. I want that, my that videos pushes to be it. better. Like I, from what I, I, I think, I don't think I read this in the book. Maybe it was an article in Wired Magazine or something like that, that five years worth of betterment on the IBM PC and clones was based on making Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight yeah. Simulator work better. Yeah. And it, that it wasn't about Lotus 1, 2, 3, and then Excel. It wasn't databases and the big real world important thing <laughs> it was people that really were like wow we're so close if we can just get the physics engine to do this more correctly if we decrease the lag time if we can make like we said that dashboard really look quite just perfect and respond in real time like we want it to and that kind of thing i think that it, and i should say this it's not only games from what i understand porn <laughs> had a lot to do with how we got better and better compressor decompressors all, all the codecs that we make right. use of it was so that you could deliver good looking content no matter what connection you had whether it was dial up and then the old days of cable early wi-fi all that kind of stuff it right. was so you'd get away from pixelated stuff to wow that really looks good <laughs> that looks <laughs> intoxicatingly good. the title of this episode is going to be about new porn but that's funny that you say that because people they ask all the time and i've tried to explain this to people in today's world i'm like there is not a computer out on the shelf that can't do what you want to do it's that simple that's they are funny. so powerful and i and when people say i want the most powerful i want i'm like i can appreciate that you buy good power now you don't have to replace it in two years they want i want i'm like then go to the store and tell them you want a gaming rig i don't want to play games <laughs> i don't care if you don't want to play games those are the most powerful computers they've yeah. optimized all the things you yeah. care about in terms of video quality and stuff like that that's yeah. right i know funny we get once in a while kind of oh, back in my day but one of the joys of being alive in the course of these last let's say 30 years has been when i got out of school in 83 so it's 40 years ago i missed plato terribly because it could do so many things before the rest of the world could but to be alive during those 40 years and to find out how apple and ibm and microsoft and oracle and all different kinds of companies and technologies have just continually made the world a better place that it was you had big iron for the mainframes to be able to run big insurance companies and banks and things that needed it but you started to have wow this athletic shoe store can have a pc running its system it's no longer just a till just a, right. a, a cash register and stuff like that 
and all the ways in which once you had those individual things, then you started to do networking and you found out that you really could have, let's see, what is it? Mrs. Fields cookies. One of the secrets to its success was that it had good communications between the stores and they could manage like in near real time, what they were going to do to order for the next day that they noticed patterns in Tuesday versus Thursday kind of things. And just every time that we have increased the technology, it people talk about it always being about, Oh no, I'm overloaded. I don't like computers, but in so many ways, it has done things with, you name it, personnel management, inventory management, the quality of products. Instead of having people looking at an assembly line and removing things, you have a little sensor that looks for the charps, the little potato chips that are too brown or green or whatever else it might be. And has a. I think I saw this on one of those connections type programs where it shows you how are crayons really made? How are potato chips really made? It has this monitor and it has a little puff of air and if it doesn't like it, it goes and it blows it off the conveyor belt. And so like the quality control goes up and up just because somebody invented a monitor, that little camera that was able to see that is miscolored or misshapen or whatever else it might be. So all the automation, and it might've been, oh no, we lost the job, but not to be weird. How good a job was it that you were the potato chip quality uh, control yeah. person? I, I, you know I, what man, I mean? That's go so do. much. <laughs> they, there's creative work to be done. There's more human work to be done. If a machine can do your job for you, it's not that you're useless. It's that you've been doing so much less than what you're worth. And now we finally found a way to offload that onto something that never tires, never loses its attention. You know what I mean? You've heard my, you've heard my talk and I always push back on that. I'm like, I don't accept the argument. Oh, we're losing jobs. Folks, this isn't like suddenly something in tech has taken over jobs and those jobs go away. It is not new. It is literally hundreds of years old. And I ask people this to to make my point. I get stupid. I'm like, so did you pay your tithing this uh, month to pay for the knighthood to protect your town? No, because technology (laughs) in warfare got rid of knights. And we don't complain about that. Do you pick up your phone and say, hey, operator, connect me to Alan? No, we got rid of operators because tech improved it. And you don't complain about that. Did you stop at the blacksmith on your horse on the way over here today? No, you didn't because we got rid of blacksmiths with cars. Tech replaced it. You're not complaining about that. It's like I don't I tell people I'm not even going to. Listen to the argument that, oh, we're losing jobs because of tech. It's always happened. It always will. And numbers show it always creates more jobs than there were before the tech. So as the world has grown from 2 billion to 7 billion people, it's not like 5 billion people are sitting around idle. It's that the kinds of things they do and can do have hopefully increased and improved in so many different ways. Kelly and I were just talking about this. We're both in our 60s now and we're retired. And it used to be that when you were retired, you were like used up. You, your knuckles were all wrecked because you had done something for so long that you developed your arthritis and your, you had muscle things. You were you know, a, a tough job really wore on you. And nowadays, by us being both like kind of white collar people, we are able to still do the walking that we want to do, the hiking. We're still, we still have all of our senses that we're not, our eyes are burnt out or that I can't breathe well because, oh no, I was breathing in some terrible black lung disease level right. stuff. So it, all those things are because we applied the technology to how do we keep people safer, not just crush them and get more productivity out of them, but 
maybe make it a more humane atmosphere, make it a more a safer thing. So all the one of the things that weirds me out as a technology, a technologist is to see the people that are have been like stripping out OSHA requirements and monitoring and things that keep people safe. It's, wow, that's that is the dark side of tech. We don't need Simon Legree. We don't need people that are just going to do this until you drop dead. We need the fact that the technology really does improve people's lives. And in ways that are, if you have it and you don't use it, it's as bad as if you don't have it at all. And that's a crappy world. There's a famous Mark Twain quote, right, about the people who don't read are as bad as the people who can't read or as bad off as the people who can't read. Why would you have this and not make use of this wonderful thing? Because you really care about wringing every last cent out of a situation instead of saying, What's the right ratio here? What's the right risk versus reward? And human and versus I, machine. I so. guarantee if some of these people complaining, if their husband, spouse, kid, or parent had a medical emergency, had a heart attack, had a stroke, had, was in a car wreck, that they would be very grateful for all the tech that is going to save that person's life right now. I guarantee and that they wouldn't complain about. But they what i just we've talked about it before people are irritating i know i just saw this wonderful meme of like someone saying all technology is a, is from the devil and you can't change my mind and the, the reply to that of course was you're literally writing this on the internet right <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and just that level of so i and the way i phrased it was so here's two statements one of which is totally false and one of which is totally true, then indeed it isn't from the devil. And indeed, nothing's going to change your mind if you've already, like in the face of all of this wonder, you're going to retreat to the dark ages, the craziness that says progress is somehow flawed or evil instead of a joy. And the, and the major point, you're going to use what you say is <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Let's see. So let's segue that into Gran Turismo. Oh you know, it's interesting that we have this thing nowadays of you know, some things start off as books, then movies, then video games, then <laughs> plays. Gran Turismo was a very successful video game series, right? Yes. So what do you know about the movie? Only so I saw previews in the movie theater about a young man who, by being trained on a simulator, since we talked about that earlier, yes. is now so good that one of the leading racing okay. teams said. Bring that kid in. Is yes. That the premise and, and of the I, movie? Okay. I asked that because it's the video game that it comes from. And we've had a lot of video game movies. Mario just came out and was very successful. We've had right. other less successful video games in the past, video game movies. And a racing movie, Need for Speed, came out several years ago. And eh, it, it could have been better, let's just say. Okay. I'm just making that point because this is not like a story version of the video game. That's not what this is at all. Okay. So it, and I absolutely loved this movie. I am probably going to go see it again. And the minute it comes out, I'm buying it. I told the teachers at Biomed that are the coaches at the esports team, I said, you really should see the movie and get the kids to see it, even though there's some swearing in it, get permission. These are high schoolers. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah all you this know. good stuff, but that'll invalidate yeah, it. Yeah. I said, you really should watch <laughs> this movie because it's exactly what you just said. It was Nissan had this. This one guy, marketing guy, had an idea. He said, look, the new generation of drivers is not buying cars because they're like, what do I care? I don't want the money. I don't want to spend the money. I'll get an Uber. I'll walk. They don't want cars. Right. 
And, I live in an urban area specifically, so I don't have to have yeah. a car and a suburb and a drive. Okay, commute. And he yeah. said they aren't dreaming of the open road like past generations. And that is something we've got to sell to them, which is extremely great marketing. You're not selling a car. You're selling that open road dream. It's marketing. The Springsteen thing. Yes. Born to run. Yeah. Exactly. So, Even though that's got a dark message, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they He identified the Gran Turismo players saying that this is the most realistic simulator out there on consoles. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know some of these people probably have million dollar simulators where if you're buckled in, you cannot tell the difference from a real car and the, but this okay. is like for mortals you can yeah, buy this for- kind of woke the <clears throat> management up that hey let me just tell you some of these kids have put in thousands of hours on these cars they know these cars and tracks very well some of these kids are getting times better than the real drivers that's he said we're going to take the top drivers put them in a real academy and train them how to drive a real car and sponsor the top winner as a real race car driver. And everybody thought he was crazy. Of course. It wouldn't be a movie if this guy wasn't crazy. How many of those have we had throughout the ages? All the existing drivers have to poo-poo. There's no way without the practical experience and the feel of the car and all the work I've put in. Exactly. can possibly be my equal. And then we find out maybe yes. Exactly. (laughs) But before we get to that point, because that's what's going to happen, it'd be the worst movie in the world if you're like, it all failed and the kid died. See ya. (laughs) You know what I mean? What an interesting experiment ending right. in death. Okay. So what really got me excited about the movie, because I've talked about the esports a lot and I'm doing work with kids and I'm actually working with, going to be working with the local esports team a little bit. I'm not saying I'm a coach or anything, but I'm really excited about that because I think this is an area for kids that they can see that hope in the future, that we have a lot of kids that say, what do I, I can't get a job without some training and I can't get the training without getting a job. And there's a lot of depression in that with that. And video games is something they all understand. They've all done and they can see some hope with it. They can see, they can make video games. They can do this. So that this movie explores those to a small degree. I really liked that. And the director was the same guy that did district nine. If you're interested. And I really liked how he delved into the culture and the viewpoints of video games from different people. It wasn't just all's good and all that. The kid's dad didn't get it. And this cracked me up. He's holding a (laughs) soccer ball and he tells his kids, what are you messing with those stupid kids games for? Come out and kick the ball around. This is a real career. What, what is a, a soccer has not no been one a, in a million people that make it up through the ranks of soccer. That's the attitude. And how long, has soccer even been a career choice? It's not like it's been thousands of years. It's, That's right. it's recent. Especially here in the United States, it's like still trying to become a real right. legitimate sport. But this was in, in England. They're much more into football there. Footy, exactly. Yeah, okay. So I just, I love that they did that. And they had multiple people with multiple viewpoints and the things that they went through to get this kid, but man, this kid had a rig set up in his room. <laughs> that was like, I, I want to drive that. Obviously they go through all the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs and the painful stuff. And he actually does race and he is still a racer to this day. He has raced. I think it said 111 different races at the time of the movie better yet. And this absolutely made my, the movie for me was the real race car kid guy, he's older now, he was his own stunt double for the movie. 
That's pretty cool. That just sold me on it totally. My interest was not high for this because honestly, I'm not a big video game player. I tend to be like a computer game player. But having said that, that really is, that's the cool story. And and I'm trying to think when I, a while back, a long time ago, actually now, at one point I was being asked to work on simulation stuff because I had done some stuff that related to it. Let's put it that way. And the people that were mostly doing it were not yet flight simulator, if you will, for Microsoft or the 4995 console, it was the cost of failure is high for piloting a plane, for doing things in the army that you can't wreck the unit or you can't wreck yourself. And so they had simulations that really were, how do you do house to house combat in the army and that everybody went in and that VR type stuff where we're seeing now, finally, that maybe we're going to have Google glasses or Apple goggles or whatever else it might be. They have had versions of that for a long time that long were meant to see like the combat experience or the racing or the flying or whatever. Yeah. And so I, what I had done back in way back in college was I had worked with display devices and with like how we can tune things to human beings so that always you're doing a simulation. When I look at the screen way back when it was, wow, I can actually see the raster going. If you just right. turn sideways and you can see this, it's because we're really at the limits of what human beings can do to get that the real world looks like it's, that the, the, the screen world looks solid like the real world does. But even then you start to learn about how people do perceive and we don't stare and it's exactly right. We saccade when we change our point of view that we take samples. And so all of that interesting science about what are the sampling rates that you need to do? What are the, what's the frames per second? What's the, how do you keep making it so that people, it'll be good enough. They won't notice that as you move through a dungeon, you don't, have to have everything be perfectly realized that what's right within your touching distance, if you will, that has to be that the moss looks right on the wall. And as you look down the hall, your natural sight like tends to fade because you don't have eagle eyes all the way at 80 yards, 40 yards, 20 yards, whatever else it might be. And the math behind how do you simulate all of that so that the world has continuity that as you move, as you change your point of view, it still maintains that you don't get like artifacting and effects that take you out of the simulation, if you will. And I loved understanding that you really have to know how eyes work. (laughs) You really have to know how people's ability to concentrate and the ability to multitask. And especially when you get away from just eyes, what you start to do, we are continually in our environment getting oral signals, audio type stuff. And that some of the really good scary games early on were great at simulating I hear a noise, but I'm not sure what it is. And it like, it was here, but it seems to move closer to me. And your natural thing is to get your adrenaline going a little bit because you're getting ready for fight or flight. Something is coming, but you don't know what. And I just loved learning all about that. So that's what led me into doing this, maybe working on it. But then what I discovered, at least for video games and stuff like that, I didn't want to work in a place. And actually multiple of my nieces or nephews have gone into it's a hit making type thing Then instead of when I did stuff for business, like I played my games and I loved them, but in business, there's, if you will, I'll use the term continuity again, that business is going to be in business and you can supply services to it. And it, like it, you're not having to take all the risk on yourself as to whether the business is going to stay in business. Whereas boy, that was so much the case already then for video games that they're working on this game. It's going to be a year and a half, two year gig. And if it doesn't sell well, that team just disbands, disperses, and you go on and you're marketing yourself again. 
And so it spoke against my sense of at least wanting to have some security and you come away with a better resume. You know what I mean? You know that you're going to have the skills that you learned and stuff like that. But I never wanted to work for, I guess, a hit maker. And especially where it wasn't like you were doing little things all along that still had how well you were going to do. You were, you released, of course, alpha and beta versions and stuff like that. But that and maybe also the risk reward ratio, who's going to make all the money, the guy who owns the company, not the hundred people involved in the storyline and the raster anti-aliasing and whatever else it might be that very, various different specialties were character definition. And so that's why I, as much as I have as a hobby done, I can do a new skin for pathways of eternity. And I was curious as to whether I could do that, make write a good enough game using somebody else's game engine and stuff. But that that hasn't been like my driving passion enough exactly that i just but for some people you can really tell that it was wow they really put themselves into this that it's their sense of humor and it's their sense of mythic and mythic size and stuff like that so for that reason i'm curious because that cool mindset like gran turismo maybe it's along the same lines of ready player one if you're in the generation that grew up with that's very much an alternative reality that you've lived in all your life and it's very cool to see things from different companies interact in the ways that you had to go to who framed roger rabbit to see warner brothers interact with disney interact with hannah barbera or whatever whoever was involved there that's kind of wish fulfillment if you're a consumer of all those things and you finally get to see them together who knew that Daffy and Donald could be up on the stage at the same time and stuff like that. So it, so you're, you're rating like you, you want to see it again. I absolutely love that. If you're not, it, I pulled the, the things about the younger generation and the kids and the video games and the attitudes and the perceptions that was very important to me in the movie. The whole movie was good. I wouldn't say the story or the drama was the best I've seen in years, nothing like that. But it's a true story and it's done very well. It's got the marketing guy is what's his name that played Legolas and Lord of the Rings. The trainer guy is David Harbour from Stranger Things. And I I didn't recognize any of the kids. They were all pretty new. (laughs) Yeah. So the director, like you said, was from District 9, right? Is that, is it Boz somebody? I'm trying to think. Uh, No, Blomkampf. Blanc, that's right. South African, right? That, that, yes. That's movie. And so I, he was one of those guys that like the first movie that I knew he did was District 9. It's like, how did you get so good so quick? How is this such a great mature movie? And I've never heard of it before. So thank you, Neil. Yeah. All right. it, again, I think it's, it's based on everything when I talk to parents and people about the video games, because I'm not involved with the esports. I don't have kids in esports. I'm not a coach. I'm on the fringe a little bit talking to some of the local, the one local team, but I'm an evangelist, I guess you could say. And I'm trying to turn people's minds because I do have a class that coincides with that to show people, hey, you could write, you can make a video game and get into the video game industry. No college necessary is essentially what it is. And I'm not saying college isn't good or anything like that. It's just, our world isn't needing it for some of this stuff anymore. There and, are multiple paths towards. Yeah, getting, e- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and people sometimes get very offended. I've had some people like in my face about some of the things I said, and I'm like, I'm not saying every, that we should just drop and bomb every college or whatever. I'm just saying <laughs> to make people aware that there are alternative paths for the kids that it's good for to have an alternative path. Yeah. 
Uh, but but it's a weird. fun movie too because I like racing. I, I want to go okay. get a PS5 with Gran Turismo now. I do have Gran Turismo one, but that was twenty years ago. So <laughs> once in a while, when you like step out of a franchise, then come back into it, it's man, this is a whole other universe. Well, they really it's on steroids. They improved everything. Yeah. And, oh my god! The problem <laughs> is. I can't just go get a PS5 with Gran Turismo. I'm going to need that steering wheel with the pedals, and I'm going to need that thing to sit in and put it in. So it's like a race. You need uh, the rig. I exactly. got to have the whole you rig, have man. A haptic chair that gives it. <laughs> yeah. Colin, Colin had some friends in high school that they did. They programmed a sim project using, and they had their own rig and stuff, and that was their final project. Cool. And he also told me after I saw the movie, he has a friend he knows from school that used to fly the flight simulators, like you said. And he yeah. that's how he trained and got his pilot's license when he was old enough. And he flies planes how now. How cool is that? Yeah, because you already had 100 air hours, Will, depending right. on how much you had been in the simulator. Yeah. Yeah, like okay. you said, the Army has used it for years and cops use it and stuff. The award ceremony I go to with Brandon Hall, we had this Dubai police force come in because of the training simulator they wrote for their people to train in their city, their people, the culture and stuff. And they yeah. customized it to fit them and they won an award for that. Really so cool. it's, I'm just wake up people. It's not like something you can argue against. It's already here. It's already happening. It yeah. won't stop. I will throw this semi-cautionary tale because I mentioned, hey, let's talk about investments a little bit. One of the things I invested in skills with a Z that, that is trying to get Esports leagues and so forth set up here in the United States, and they're already very successful in Korea, Japan, wherever else it might be. They're having a devil of a time penetrating the U.S. market, maybe because there's resistance by the parents, because we, what's the chicken and egg type thing of, yeah. do they have, I don't know, kind of like being in a boy band, you can have many K-pop bands that are all successful. We can't do that here except for certain standouts like the NSYNC or the, so Skills I, I, is down 80% on my well, It's one of those that just hasn't been able to do it. Breakthrough, they, generator avenue, et cetera, et cetera. They might just be one of those that's a little ahead of their time because yeah. it's becoming a juggernaut that's not stopping and it is growing. I mentioned before the Ohio High School Athletic Association this year approved high school students in Ohio getting varsity letters for esports. And there okay. are over 200 right. high schools and there are like 200 universities and colleges that are across the country that now have esports and they're recruiting. Yeah. That's what it's going to take is, like you said, skills is the, like their proof of concept, if you yeah. will. But when somebody like Ticketmaster says, hey, we're now selling tickets to these various <laughs> different esport events and all you have to do is have this kind of rig so yes. you can follow it. And they would have Twitch and various other simulate not simulations streaming for those kinds of things oh streaming is huge <laughs> yes. though internationally yeah. it's huge when i say huge it's four <laughs> billion people streaming so it's just on it, that's half the world watching streaming esports games or video <laughs> games of some sort and i went to the fair recently and the newspaper was there and i said hey do you guys cover local sports teams in the high school oh, yeah which ones they said all of them no you don't what don't we no, cover? Don't. I said esports. They're like, what's that? So I'm pushing the agenda. You can make that connection. You could be the guy that says, "Hey, wake up! This really is something worth yeah. getting first in, getting talk." Okay. Yeah. So anyway, is, is a field 
truly established, not until it has its first scandals. So for <laughs> viewing and stuff like that, and it's, wow, let's watch some of these guys. They're really skilled. They're really wonderful. And they're witty as hell. They have Pew Die Pew is who I'm thinking yeah. of. That, wow, he's really good and he's funny. And then, oh, here come the anti-Semitic remarks or whatever. So why did you have to be a jerk? Why yeah. did you have I mean, just, because because that is what happens too. that there's no guarantee if you're a great basketball player that people should be going to you for life advice you exactly. can be great basketball but not a good human being we've or seen that way too many players, times. a good human being and whatever else it might be so that's just right. humanity that's just par for the course yeah. <laughs> so continuing movies you finally yes. saw blue beetle which blue i've beetle. seen what'd you think and so i really liked it because i thought that it was innocent like in, that, that Shazam, the first one, not so much the second one as well, but it really is like, what would happen if you were a, a young man bound for adventure in, in the corporate world? And instead you inherit the scarab, you have this thing kind of like you inherit it, but it takes over you. And just so much the interesting, realistic stuff about superhero origin stories. Some people would be like, hey, I found this ring and now I'm mighty and everything is fine. And in some other cases, it would really screw up your life. Your family would be scared of you. You'd have to, what all, what all the time that you're spending to learn how to use it, you're going to make mistake after mistake and maybe kill yourself, kill others, whatever. Powers that be that want your scarab, that they don't want you to have it, they'll be after you. And it included all those interesting elements of a more realistic superhero story that you don't immediately go and fight crime and be yeah it really is wonderful about latino not latino i guess is what a, what an idiot midwestern white guy i am is mexican also included in latino culture i think so. because it's very much mexican and that sense of family and that yes. that wonderful like immigrants that have done well for themselves and it really it very well portrays that the love of the family and the solidarity of that. While this kid's going through them, they don't get so scared that they abandon them. They're more like, well, we're going to tease you about it. We're going to you know, yes. help you. Out. The family was wonderful. Thing. Yeah. So, I, and also, I love movies where there's some recognizable faces like George Lopez is in, but it's not a star vehicle. It's not like we found the perfect kid to play him and hey, the, some Brad Pitt is playing a 19 year old kid. No, they really did all kinds of just realistic the way that people can put themselves into the hero's guise is because it could be that guy he's not amazingly good looking he's not i don't know it, i he was like a cute young man and so there is like the romance that's involved in when you're like 19 years old you're like pretty much a walking pile of hormones you know what i mean so yeah. what do you do are you going to use this thing so hey now i can get dates it was just <laughs> amusing as to how and there really was menace. There were good villains and what was going on. Susan Sarandon. The, oh, the it was wonderful. Yeah. She was very good as the villainess. And just, it's funny. You don't have to be a cackling megalomaniac to be a really good villainess that's just concerned with, I want my way. I want to make money. And I'll do anything, whatever it takes to get it. I feel that I've been in the shadow of men for much of my life. And that's pissed me off for 40 out of my year, out of my working years. I'm not taking that anymore. I it just, was, yeah, it was more her ex-husband or whatever, the one particular man that she... Exactly. Yeah. And a very cool thing about, they paid homage to a lot of DC history. They talked about Ted Kord, the original Blue yes. Beetle. And they showed the suits. Kind of like a bargain basement Batman, if you will. But it wasn't. Some part of what they seem to always do is they feel that they have to throw in other heroes to kind of have the walk-ons. Here's Wonder Woman, because we just had to have her in there somewhere. It was its own little universe, and they made reference to it. it's in the world, but it wasn't just trying to make it so that those guest appearances 
were what was going to sell the movie and sell more tickets and stuff like that. I I just I'm really up on this movie. It's really yeah, a good I introduction agree. to the world of superhero movies. Having already heard like a little bit of backlash about how people I'm getting tired of that. So like of what? There's a hundred different plots, a hundred different ways in which a superhero movie can be this way there's now and we have talked about this now there's hero horror now there's yeah hero romance now there, there's all kinds of different things so i wish that there weren't i've never liked that sweeping statement type thing because it doesn't speak Agreed. well to the person making the statement you know yeah, what i mean exactly like, really that's all you get out of this is I, that they're all alike they're not I, all alike <laughs> i hate it i hate that all they want to know and track is how bad it did on the weekend opening weekend and how much it fell the second weekend and how people are avoiding it. I was in the theater and it was fairly packed and people were laughing out loud and enjoying the movie. So it's like great sense of humor. It really has just whatever thing seems to be that they let a whole bunch of tension build and they throw some humor in there to dispel the tension. They threw George Lopez in a scene and boom, it's funny. (laughs) Exactly. It really was what life is like. How do you get through tough times? You really like whistle past the graveyard. You say things just to like, oh my God, I can't believe this is terrible. So I'm going to make a joke out of it because yeah, I don't know what else to go. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> I mean, I think, and this is my personal opinion. I think what Marvel did and built up to Infinity War and Endgame was just this overarching story that took forever and built up for so long in people that it was this huge event. And that was a pretty huge movie with so many people so many things happening and it's hard to not say how great endgame really was especially since we've never but the problem is now people are like essentially saying this is an endgame you're not going to have another endgame right. <laughs> enjoy it for what it is and i agree yeah. it was a, a great movie i've told people that i'm like stop reading the internet go watch the damn movie <laughs> Really, how many times have I read who's Marvel's next big bad? And it's you could do a hundred great superhero stories that don't have to culminate in a battle for the universe. It doesn't all have to be Ultron and Kang and Doctor Doom. And there really are big bads in the Marvel yes. universe, but there's all kinds of Daredevil has made a career of not fighting all those crazy ultra powerful ones. He like takes care of his little corner of Hell's yes. Kitchen. And- <laughs> that was my exact comment for Guardians of the Galaxy Three. People were down on that movie. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? I'm like, this movie is all about, these people are risking everything to save one of their own. It's right. He's our family. He deserves family. us to battle with every bit of our heart there is. That yeah. is a such a huge story. We have it in so many good books and movies in the past. And they That's did right. it very well in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I was- it, Better than Fast and Furious? <laughs> See, Fast and the Furious, <laughs> kind of, w- when you're taking a Toyota in space and using the gas pedal to go forward and the steering wheel to move, you, I'm you lose you. your I point, know. you are, I know you are, <laughs> but I will go see the next one too, by the way, um, <laughs> but that, but see also, that's a point also, actually, I can enjoy Fast and the Furious and I can still enjoy Blue Beetle and Guardians for what they are, they don't have to all be end game, you know? That's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I just that I really I liked it. And if you're someone who like whether you like superhero movies or not, you'll like this movie because it really is great. A young man bound for adventure. It's the hero's journey. It's finding out 
who you want to be growing up that you're going to there's going to be some sacrifices necessary and all that kind of stuff and there will be love and hate and and i don't know i just i was entertained the maybe i don't know 10 minutes out of it could have been a little faster but even that things don't have to be continual assault on my senses in order to keep my attention exactly when you live in a short attention span world once in a while you get out of movie and you're exhausted i need to go like in my own room and listen to my own music because that was too much this actually does have dynamics to it yeah it has lull and build up and then climaxes and stuff like that and i agree it's a perfect (laughs) it's a perfect stepping stone movie to get you know into if you haven't watched oh there's too many superhero movies go watch this one because you don't have to know 20 years of history or anything it's very self-contained and it's funny to say also about that about Everything doesn't have to hit you all the time. I just watched The Equalizer, the first one with Denzel okay. Washington. And okay. I made the comment to some of my author friends and said, go watch this movie for the story because they spend the first hour just leading up to what the conflict's going to be. I said, if this was a book, every one of our editors would tell us, you got to trim most of this off and just start here at the conflict. But right. it did it in a way that there were snippets here and there and it kept your interest without right being just boom here's the dead body so i I was very impressed with the story for the equalizer which what you just said some go back and rewatch it because three is now out and you wanted to refresh your i haven't seen any of them that was my first one go watch the others got it okay yeah i I occasionally do that when john wick four comes out it's i wouldn't mind rewatching some of one two three and and you (laughs) can't really pick on me a whole lot about fast and the furious if you enjoy john wick i'm just i totally agree everybody has their guilty pleasure oh i love john wick also in fact the comic book store just got a a nice john wick figure that i was looking at i'm like that is a nice looking little figure a precursor if you will to the john wick movies there's a movie called shoot em up with Clive Owen, Paul Giamatti, where I think it was directed by John Woo. And the yes. reason that matters is because I think it might be the most bullets on screen ever, ever. <laughs> there was a never counter. a time when people weren't just shooting an auto pistol, an unending supply of ammunition somehow. You yeah. know what I mean? They didn't bother with all the, I have to change cartridges. Well, all. that just wastes movie time. We'll just skip <laughs> right. that. It was such a celebration, the balletic violence of shooting bullets spraying everywhere yeah and if you haven't seen that one it's really good because you just start laughing at sure why not let's have a guy go down through there's those staircases oh that, yeah and he descends and he's just killing a hundred people without getting nicked of course it, it just there's it's incredible yeah yeah so, you gotta love those sometimes too <laughs> it's i i and it's funny because we had a week off I just had a cool thing happen. I think I might have talked about online. Netflix is ending 929 mm-hmm. coming up in less than a month. They're stopping their And to be clear, their DVD service streaming is doing so well that of course they're continuing that and they're competing with all the other streaming services. And I think that DVD still makes money, but it's not making enough money to not be a distraction to the core purpose of Netflix, et cetera. And in fact, Reed Hastings even said, he knows it's going to transfer from one to the other. And the way that the company is going to do well to survive and thrive is going to be timing that. And apparently he really has. So when they first got into streaming and people were talking about, well, you're cannibalizing your own DVD service, but he wanted to be in there early to establish the brand name further and especially to make all the mistakes and get past it and learn so that he'd be the first one. And then the dominant force, if you will, in online content. So having said that, the reason that DVD ending is cool is 
they I got a letter, having been a longtime subscriber, that says when we end this service, whatever the top ten movies are in your queue, we're going to send them to you. We're going right. to we get rid of our inventory. And how cool and decent is that? And it could be, of course, that they've been watched many times, and that depending on people's hygiene habits and the quality of their player and stuff like that it might be that i get the dreaded skipping or crap yeah list. you know, you know if you're getting one of those ones that help promote technology through porn you knows what you'll have with that DVD. exactly <laughs> i'm gonna have to get my netflix squeegee out and make sure i clean each but having said that then also anything that you had out we won't ask for you to return them yeah. I've been getting one disc a month and just perpetually always getting one takes three days to get the next one. And I was always watching, working my way through various different series over the course of time. I watched all the Netflix and all the, all various different things through this. So what an interesting exercise. I have 500 movies in my Netflix queue. I really am yeah. omnivorous. And over the course of time, you really were like, I'm going to watch all the Hitchcocks, all the Woody Allens, all the Cone brothers. So you add them all and you work your way out, but things keep getting added. And as new things come out, they bump down things. I Every one of those I added, I really wanted to watch. But now that the time is coming that you won't be able to do that. Right. So what are the 18 movies, if you will? The most you can get out of a month is I went from one to eight. And I'm getting this 10 free. And how am I going to arrange my queue so that the movies that I'm going to have at home are going to be the ones that not just that I want to watch, but that I want to have. There's a whole different thing about rewatchability of a movie instead of having seen it once. I love the Star Wars movies, for instance, and yet a couple of them, I've noticed when I see it again, it's just not as effective as the first time you see it. The surprises aren't there. They're, I don't know, they're not as effective. Whereas for me, comedies are one of those things that I kind of laugh in the same spot, right. even though I know the joke is coming because it's so well crafted because the people are so good in it, et cetera, et cetera. And so Colleen and I went through the list and said, Wow, I would love to have Groundhog Day at home because that's one of those infinitely rewatchable movies. I, I love how well done it is, how smart it is, how it honors the audience's smarts to say, what's the next thing you would try if you really were trapped in a loop? Would you go through joy? Would you go through despair? All of that. I'm Dirty Rotten Scoundrels has scenes in that movie that every time I watch it, I like start, I pre-laugh. I start laughing because I know this wonderful thing is going to happen. And, and also which things are going to be available probably via streaming, because that way I don't have to worry about having them. They'll always have certain Monty Python things. And Monty Python and the Holy Grail is never going to go away from somewhere. The BC will carry it or Netflix or Amazon or library. The library, exactly. Out of that 500, I kind of bumped and I got my, I already got my first eight to home. And it's like the Faulty Tower series, which I think is probably the best sitcom ever made. And and then, so what's in, that's my top eight. What's in my next 10? What do you mean my top 40? I've not been able to get the right. next 10 perfectly solidified. And I want to, it's not just me, it's Colleen as well. I want to make sure, but what an interesting exercise to say, okay, but Desert Island Disc, have you ever heard about right. this? If you're going to have these 10 things to listen to when you don't know whether you're ever going to get off this island, what would wear on you the best? And they don't even necessarily have to be your absolute favorites of all time. It's the ones that have that wearability, that yeah. replayability occur to you <laughs> yes the thing is a lot of times the movies i'm like if i see something and i'm like wow that was really good i've already gotten it but i changed my cue a little bit because my mother loves harrison ford and we used to always just get her lots of harrison ford movies but we pretty much mm -hmm. started to run out of harrison ford movies to get her <laughs> so i just went through netflix and found 
all the Harrison Ford movies that I didn't have for her and put those at the top of my queue. So See, they're not really brand cool. new in case, but I can print the covers. I can get blank cases. So yeah. that, I'm going to do that for her for Christmas. But here's a pro tip. I took my list. I took like the top of my list. I went to the exchange and I went through their like $2 DVDs. And if I found it on my list, I bought it for $2.50 and crossed it off my list. So I'm like- because eight bucks eight discs for 32 bucks i'm willing to spend four bucks on them what if i can find them for two for right. good idea okay. yeah so that yeah. You, and a lot of the movies i like just like you are ones that people don't keep or don't buy so i got a good chance of finding a lot of them so we have noticed that our taste is not the public's taste yes we really a lot of obscure like, like colleen at one point for a birthday got me allegro non tropo i think i've talked about it before yeah it's a, an italian version of fantasia a classical music done to animation boy it's wonderful and yet nobody has heard of it but when I, when she got it for me it was like man i've been looking for this all my life and now i have a copy thank you so much it's wonderful to get those particular taste things exactly Okay. And it it is dangerous to go to the exchange, regardless, because they do have movies like for two fifty or five bucks, and it's right. like, wow! Look at this stack I got. Here's forty two dollars. Just I think I, one of the things I mentioned in the discussion online was I'm really not a collector of that for some reason, even though I'm a collector of everything else, because I do have good memory of those movies, and I don't need to rewatch a lot of things. I didn't do that, but some things like already suggestions that i didn't have to get because i already have all the pink panther movies the original peter sellers and spectre clouseau and there we rewatch them pretty regularly especially number two and number three because they're just hilariously good throughout yes um, we have the mel brooks canon like from producers up through maybe history of the world or something like that and we watch young frankenstein we watch blazing saddles we have certain things we love watching and so i already have some box sets that were i have all the monty python tv episodes if not the movies and so I, I was already like, I'm glad that I already have gotten those things. I even have like Black Adder on VCR because I, wow. I one, it was a thing where like they had a online, a little trivia contest. And I was like, I love those things. I know this. I won it. And then I went over there and he goes, here, you get the set. It's like, oh, it was, and it was after DVDs were already available, but I want to keep a DVD. I have a DVD slash VCR player that I just, I haven't gotten the new TV that I mentioned a while back. It doesn't have the three plug thing that goes in. Right. Everything is HDMI. And I'm going to lose the ability to play those Blackadder VCR tape things, as well as there's many things in the library that are not DVD, but are only tape. So I have to keep my old technology hand in so that I don't lose the ability to play right. certain things. Anyway. For me, it's really cool though to get them for the mom is a wonderful idea. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And for me, what it started going to the exchange was the kids when they were younger not that it's super expensive, but you got two kids young. My wife wasn't really working at the time. So it's yeah, going to the movies, getting them popcorn, getting them something to drink. It's not expensive, but still that's 40 or 50 bucks. I went to the exchange. I bought like seven, eight movies for $20. We stopped at the dollar store, got dollar candy and a couple pops of their choice. And we and went home. We night at home. Yeah. Throwing up on the wall of your building. So yeah, you we do that, that too. So that's where it started. And then it became almost like some OCD <clears throat> habitual thing where it's like, huh, how many 250 movies can I get today? You know. <laughs> Honestly, a deeper level of thought about this as I came to realize that there really were some things that were unavailable, like when I went to look, I searched for a movie called Evil Roy Slade for a long time until a friend of mine, his father had an extensive video collection. He gave me a copy. 
reason for saying that is there, there's, uh, having said, I don't want to be a collector of this because I already have such other collections. Some part of me is proud to say, as long as I'm around, I can really give somebody all the James Bonds. As long as I'm around, I can get, you know what I mean? Like the fact that it hasn't gone, that it got converted, it got digitized, converted to bits. And then somehow there was a contract dispute and all those movies went away for five years. Oh yeah. drives people crazy to see that happen. But as long as I have it physically and a device on which I can play it, they can't take that away from me. And somehow that's important to me that there's like a little bit of the Omega Man thing that I've talked about. If it really was that the world was going to hell, I'd go hole up in the library and make sure that this hoard of knowledge would not be destroyed and burnt by the mutants because I'm going to defend <laughs> that thing. And kind of my collections are that. It's very much my taste. But my taste is pretty good if you're a relentlessly geeky guy like you and I are. And so what I already have and like when I pass, I think someone's occasionally I've gone to a place called the Data Den, Digital Den. Not sure why it's not coming to me, but I'll go there and they have all kinds of used CDs, DVDs, video games, that kind of stuff. And it'll be like somebody with my taste just died and the estate sale got all bought here. So I'm going through and not finding one or two. I'm right. finding 20 and as long as they're five bucks each sure for 100 bucks all this treasure someone's going to have a field day when they get into my collection and go man al you have everything you have all the mad magazine paperbacks you have all you know what i mean it, right it, i thought about that with my son he'll be happy but it'll be like okay how many comics do i have to go through how many cds how many movies and how there many is a, star wars collectibles how yeah. many the Swedish death cleaning that we're doing is in some cases so that no one else will be burdened by it and that no one else would love it like I would. You know, when I'm trying to sell my comics or trying to go through the paperback collections and stuff like that, I'm aware that the world is heading towards bits instead of atoms and all that kind of stuff. And yet I'm also having been, Facebook has been wonderful. And even previous to that, I was in some of these like BBSs and stuff where there really are people that still care about I'm going to read every one of the destroyer paperbacks. I want them in paperback. I don't, I, I don't yeah. want the digitized. I don't want the project Gutenberg version. I like the old John D. McDonald, Travis McGee books. You know what I mean? You got to look for those. They're 50 and 60 yeah. years old. Yeah. And yet they're for their time. They're just such a great read. And there's something cool to be able to say, I got a friend that loves Earl Stanley Gardner. And he's got every one of those. And, wow. and, and whoever has done those little labors of love, this the science fiction from the 50s and 60s, when it was like really new. And I hope and, and that it doesn't have to be that everybody appreciates it. It has to be that the people that really would appreciate it, they're going to love me a lot <laughs> because I saved it from just getting thrown into the trash. Why has nobody jumped on making a good destroyer movie? They had that one back oh, in the eighties with Fred oh, Ward, Fred Ward. And let's see uh, who's who, uh, um, Joel Gray, the guy that was the, uh, yeah, exactly. And had and previously cabaret was the master of ceremonies. And that's what most people know him from, but he was a very effective team. And they had, what's her name from Voyager, the captain from Star Trek Voyager. Okay. I forget her name. But but I just actually rewatched that. Mulgrew? Kate Mulgrew? Kate Mulgrew, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just rewatched it recently. And I'm like, okay, it's not horrible. It's just very lackluster. For an action supposed thing, a little spy in here, it, it just was not exciting, but needed right. more excitement. The Doc Savage movie is much like that. It's a little too corny. Like for as much as the quality of that series was high, it, it, there are certain things that just maybe they didn't have. 
the special effects or the understanding of what makes archetypal heroic. That's fiction. it. The understanding. You know what I mean, they, they, they just, they played it for laughs instead of playing it for, wow, this is like a world threatening menace. And doc is the right. only one that can, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I don't know. I was amused by it, but I wasn't one of those movies like, Hey, if you want to see why I love these paperbacks, watch this movie and you'll get it. I couldn't in pride say that kind of thing. It was just like, right. I continue to read the books because they're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. We recommend Blue Beetle and Gran Turismo, but not Pulp Fiction go. movies. <laughs> and, yeah. and the Flash Gordon movie. Remember that one from back in the very early yes. 80s? Let me, With, here, I'll do a quick Queen vocal for you. Flash. Oh, <laughs> I don't even, think I really screeched it well enough. <laughs> but even worse, that song has the worst line ever written for a movie that be especially be used as song it's where dale goes flash i love you but we only have 14 hours to save the earth that says that that's like the worst line ever it drives me crazy i have to skip that song i can't listen to it People just made a reference to the Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension movie, and that really did have the right amount of irony and understanding of, we know it's corny, but we're going to have a lot of fun with it anyway. Right. And so just that, and I'll, boy, I should have mentioned this, one of the movies that I have every single time when I was like bipping around and would come across Kelly's Heroes, I would watch it to the end. No matter how far it was into the movie, I just, I love this movie. I love all the characters in it. And once I mentioned that, a whole bunch of people kind of came out of the woodwork and said, that's my favorite movie too. I love that movie. And everyone was quoting lines to each other. And you know how you bond over that. You get yeah. like, that everybody has this secret kind of little thing. And what's interesting, it was a lot of my younger brother's friends that I don't think I necessarily introduced them to it, but I hope that maybe there was a time when I planted the seed because I gave them a lot of music and other things that mattered. But the fact that they've all discovered it, even without me being involved, it was just so nice to have people. <laughs> appreciating it and appreciating it in the same way that I did that they got what made it so good and so funny and so memorable and so rewatchable. So right. Kelly's Hero is another one. That's a movie. Exactly. Buckaroo Banzai is not our Buckaroo Banzai is not on Netflix. I've looked before. <laughs> yeah. We we now that we have we regularly use the Roku box and it has a search feature that goes across multiple services, whatever ones you have. And sometimes they have things and they go away. Sometimes they have things but they cost honestly not two or three or five dollars to rent, but like 20. So yeah. whatever licensing agreement they got going on, we, I, Troy, a friend of ours, gave Colleen for her retirement a subscription to the Criterion channel. Ooh. Very interesting because they really are well curated. It really is not just the best popular movies, but the best film noir, the best madcap comedy, the best Busby Berkeley musical, whatever else it might be. And so I've been browsing that, just waiting for happy discoveries. So I watched a movie called The Last Seduction that I re remembered from probably the 90s that was, let's see, Mary, not Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Darn it. I just watched it. Why am I not coming? It really is perfect film noir in terms of the sneakiness of it and that the people really are not normally moral. And what? how do you live in a world where you really don't have compassion for other human beings you'll do whatever it takes to win the game to get the money to whatever it might be sorry linda i just can't believe i can't remember because she's really yep that's the woman that people would let themselves get killed because she's so pheromonal <laughs> so seductive the last seduction darn it i'm very sorry that it's not we'll look it up we'll look it up exactly and another great technology advancement 
Yeah. Some, it's funny when it used to be that you'd go to the video store and you'd browse and stuff like that. And sometimes you wouldn't even know what attracted you to it, but it was an interesting cover or, oh, this guy directed this. I didn't know he had made this movie as well. Let's see what he did when he wasn't doing the studio blockbuster, but it was something more independent. And I've discovered so many, how I first discovered the Coen brothers was pretty much like Roger, no, or Gene Siskel at the end of sneak previews going, so this movie is great. It's only going to be theaters for a week because there's you've never heard of these directors before. It, there's not really big movie star pull power, but it is, for this being their first movie called Blood Simple, it's perfect. It's amazingly well-crafted. And, and just, I, that started my, it was fun when you're into a band early, it started my affair, love affair with the Coen brothers from their very first movie. So then whatever they put out, I was going to watch it. And I've never been disappointed. Like, when somebody recommended, oh, brother, where art thou? And that is something that at one point, Colleen and I had that in-house and it went away. I think Tim might've lent it to somebody else and it went away. But having said, really like when you're, it isn't only humor. There's some things that are just like movies that make you feel good. Movies that if you want a good cry, movies that if you want a big climactic battle, Highlander is one of my favorite movies. Where it's just, like, I want to see the Kurgan, such a great villain. I want to see those sword fights. I want the sense of humor and the sense of menace from it infinitely rewatchable there's no yeah. there'll be a time that i don't want to watch highlander again <laughs> highlander is one of the movies i think would do well with a good remake that they could make a really good version of it today i know we've talked about this before because when they had a sequel and a bunch of me and my friends went to see this sequel and after the movie we were like at a restaurant just like looking up at each other in stunned <laughs> horror and then looking back down and going what how could they do that? It yeah. was so bad. It yeah. was so bad, bad in comparison to how good the first one was. Even we the, felt totally betrayed. Even <laughs> the changed director's cut didn't really revolve. It didn't revolve make up it for it. Well. Exactly. Yeah. They took like a cool mystical concept and tried to make it science fiction-y. And they, like, again, like, how did they not understand what made the first one great so that they totally screwed it on the second one? Yeah. How weird. Oh. Yep, yep. But the TV show I always liked. I thought they did a good job on the TV show. I need to return to that because I got a point where I watched like the fifth or sixth episode and I was like, they're already repeating themselves. I don't know that I want to see this thing again and again. I think that over the course of time, yes. they built the mythology, right? They, they did a lot. The watchers and whoever else it might be because I've read a little bit about it. But I haven't. That's one of those things that now there's Netflix going away. I'm going to have to find the library that carries all of those things, the box set of you know, the series. I know at the Streetsboro Flea Market, the bookseller guy has the C or VHS tape sets because that was one of the first series besides Star Trek Enterprise that I saw a full collection on VHS. Syndicated, like, if you will. Oh, into, oh okay. I got to have that. Cool. Okay. So, all right. So I'll look for that. Okay. All right. I know you had a tight schedule. I'm glad we were able to fit a session in this week. You're very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in brief, you got a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up at the Pittsburgh RG. For this you're weekend. Like hosting talks. You're going to be hosting panel discussions. And yes. Stuff like with people that we love, like Bill. So I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We will Thank not you. be Because we have family things and other things. We're going to go like seeking advent calendars down south. They, cool. they just got all the advent calendars in. I hope you have a really wonderful weekend. You too. Enjoy your long weekend. Not that, that you have unlong weekends. I mean, your weekend <laughs> begins Thursday through Wednesday. And Wednesday. then next weekend starts Thursday through <laughs> Wednesday. So <laughs> the reason that I was able to go to Blue Beetle, because, hey, I don't need to worry about fitting it in after I get back from work. I can actually go do this thing. Colleen and I are taking advantage of that. Like, how about a jigsaw puzzle? Sure, why not? 
Nice. Uh, okay. All right. Enjoy the long All weekend, right. man. Take care, Stephen. Okay. Later. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, relentlessgeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.